All right, take your Bibles and look at the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. How many of you believe what we just sang? How many believe that? Then why aren't we living in victory? Why aren't we living in victory? Now thanks be unto God which causeth us always to triumph in Christ. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He that is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Hey, are you a victorious Christian? Are you living in victory today? I'm talking about are you a triumphant Champion for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, I'm trying. Well, stop it. Well, man, I'm trying to do, stop it. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. Stop it. Some of you need to stop trying and start trusting. Let me tell you something. God didn't call you to do anything for him. Let me say it again. God doesn't need you to be a missionary for him. God doesn't need you to be a preacher for him. God doesn't need you to be a preacher's wife for him. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. He is quite capable of doing everything for himself. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he said, it is. Then what can you do? It is. I have come to work the works of him that sent me. I do always those things that please him, Jesus said. So what are you doing trying to please God? How do you think you, a rotten, wretched, reprobate sinner, can please God? There is in you no good thing. Even your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. But thanks be unto God which causeth us always to triumph in Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It is no more I, but Christ that dwelleth in me. It is no more I. Stop trying to please God. God doesn't need you to do anything for him. God wants to do things through you. See, let me just tell you something. When Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, Jesus gave himself for you. That was your cross. That was your crown. That was your scourge. That was your death. That was your humility. That was your rejection. That was your brutality. That was your wrath of God that was poured on Jesus. And Jesus gave himself a ransom for you. He took your place. He sat on that cross in your place. Those were your nails. Those were your mockings. Those were your, those were your insults thrown in his face. That was spit meant for your face. Those were buffets meant for your cheeks. Those were thorns meant for your brow. Those were nails meant for your hands and feet. That was a spear meant for your side. But Jesus took our place and he gave himself 
for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Come on now. But then something happened and he was buried. Living he loved me, buried he carried my sins far away. But wait a minute. So when Jesus died on the cross, he gave himself for me. But when he rose again from the dead, Jeremy, when he rose again from the dead, he gave himself to me. <laughs> Did you hear that? When Jesus died on the cross, he gave himself for me. But when he rose from the dead, he gave himself to me. So that now he could live his life through me. Nothing ever will, nothing ever can overcome the Lord our God. And yet we have been overcome. We're overcome with temptation. We're overcome with love for the world. We are overcome. We are overcome with our own pride. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. Seriously. Are you a victorious triumphant, conquering Christian? If not, why not? If not, why not? Let me show you what I think has happened. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody with me? Now, let me just say this, okay? Turn to Ephesians 4 and then put your Bible in your seat and stand up. Turn to Ephesians 4, put your Bible in your seat and stand up. This is the 2 o'clock... 249 session. This is awesome. I love the 249 session, Brother Philip. I had an airsoft gun. I don't know if you guys saw me hand that off because I was going to shoot people who were sleeping. And the Holy Spirit said, what are you thinking? <laughs> no, it really wasn't. There were some balloons up here and I was going to shoot them things, but they're not there. So then I thought I would shoot some of you, but yeah, I thought... Man, this is not my church, and I wouldn't have to do those lawsuits. So, Brother, Brother Frost, all right? Okay, listen. This is the 245 session. Let me tell you something right now. Listen, if I had to go to war wearing this thing, I would want to get shot. Somebody shoot me, like, right here. Don't hit me. Just knock that thing off my head, right? That is a cool helmet. I don't know how those guys did it, man. How do you kill, how do you conquer Germany wearing that thing? <laughs> I mean, I put this on, I feel like, I, I think I should look like that guy, but I look more like Don Nas, like Barney Five, man. Hey, let me tell you something, my whole body's a weapon, you know? Yeah, back when I was working for old Uncle Sam, you know? Anyway. So, when I was in college, yes. 6.45 every morning, I had class. Come on. Come on. 6.45. Like when I left, listen, let me just tell you, this is, a, this is the truth. When I left to leave for, to go to college from my house, I had to walk outside and wake up the rooster. I'm like, bro, it's time to get up. And he's like, oh, man. And then he'd be like, uh -uh, you know, all that stuff. All that jazz. Like, I don't understand roosters. We had one in Mississippi. I hated that thing for a couple reasons. First of all, they never understand days off. It's like, man, you've been doing this every day, Monday through Friday. Saturday morning, zip it, Skippy. 
But Saturday morning had things like the sun's coming. And our, our rooster never got his cock-a-doodle-doo very good. Like some of them are just beautiful. Ours was like. Like, I don't know if like somewhere, because it was, this is a true story. We incubated that thing. These hens had some eggs. We took the eggs. We brought them in the house. My wife put them under a heat lamp. And we're watching them. And my girls are watching them. We're watching these little eggs move around. All of a sudden, you see these little beaks, like, picking through. And then they're like, you know, they come out. And they're, like, all wet. Have you ever seen little hen, the little chicks come out? And they're, like, <laughs> falling around the box. And my girls are, like, oh, look at that. And I'm, like, that thing is nasty looking, man. <laughs> So I don't know if that thing was like traumatized when it saw that heat lamp. And that heat lamp was like that hot light in his face and he was like, oh, you know, and like somehow that rooster got traumatized when he was a little chick. So when the sun come up, he'd be like, ah! Ah! He's running around, ah! Like, what in the world is wrong with you? So I don't know, I don't know what the deal was, but then this thing, then this thing started getting old, right? He started like, he'd walk around, you know, you know how chickens walk, they're like, they're like, you know. I've seen guys try to walk down the mall like that, you know. So this chick, this rooster's walking around our backyard, you know, thinking he's cool breeze. And like, I would walk out there. If my girls went out there, he was cool. He's like, hey, what's up? You know, hey, check this out. I'm going to peck this ground, you know? <laughs> I would walk out there, and he'd be like, he'd put his wings down. And he'd be like, come at me, bro. <laughs> He's like looking around. His head's like, what, what you got, man? These are my hens. These are my ladies. Keep moving, pal. Like he would seriously, he would walk around, I would walk out, I'm just going to get the eggs, and this guy would be like, and he'd be like, bang, I'm like, just stop it. Literally, one day I went out, I had a two by four. I'm like, rooster has spurred me for the last time. I just want some eggs. I'm just here to eat your children. That's all I'm saying, bro. I want to take your babies, break them up, scramble them, and put them in my belly. So get out the way, Jack. So I'm walking out there, and he's like, I'm sick of you messing with my family. So my ladies and my babies, keep moving. So I walk out there, man. He came at me, and he started to fly up, and I'm telling you, man, I got that guy. Boom. He rolled on the ground. He got up. He was like shaking his head. Like he's walking around like, what in the world? But it did something. The next day the sun came up and he was like, <laughs> and I'm out there like high-fiving him. He's like, hey, how, how you doing, man? Here, take these eggs right here. You can have all these. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Easy side up. I don't know. So I was always having to wake up the chickens, go to college. And then we get to college, 6.45 in the morning. My freshman year, the 645 class, English 101. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to run and jump on that grenade. 
6.45 in the morning, English. Oh, it gets better. Second year, 6.45, Greek one. Third year, Greek two. And then the great glory days of the senior year, Hebrew. The only thing I liked about Hebrew was that, uh, hey, just a second, I'm in my Nikes, I gotta take a knee. Seriously, though, these, Brother Frost, these are, the most comfor- these are the most comfortable boots. They are Nikes, right? They are super comfortable. The only time they hurt my feet is when I stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. But anyway. It's like, pledge, salute. Oh, ah, oh, ah, right? Anyway. So, the only thing I liked about Hebrew class is that you get the spit. And if you've ever heard Hebrew, Hebrew, like, we, we form our words up here. They form their words, like, down here in the gizzard, whatever that is, in the esophagus. They're like, halashim, bar. So I'm just like, so Dean, can you say anything about a Hebrew class? Yes. So anyway, we had this teacher. He was our first year Greek teacher. He was a short guy. He had a really big pot belly. He always wore suspenders. I asked him one day, like, um, we have a question. Why do you always wear suspenders? And he was kind of a geeky guy. I mean, he taught Greek, right? So he was like, um, have you ever tried to keep pants on a funnel? It's <laughs> a very good point. <laughs> no, I have not. But apparently you are. <laughs> so anyway, so he had this big belly. One day, one day, he, and it was, he would always tie his ties short. So his knot would be like that big. And his tie was like that long. He came to class one day and I raised my hand. I said, hey, that is a beautiful tie. It's like a rainbow. He's like, how is it like a rainbow? I said, well, it's got a pot at the end of it. But anyway. So, so he came into class. He'd walk into class. It's 6.45 in the morning. We're all like, oh, man. He would walk in. He was so energetic. Good morning, man. Good morning, man. It's time to change the world. I'm like, okay. I just want to take a nap. So then he would say, if we were kind of, non-energetic, he would make us all stand. He would make us all do a cheer. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. It's the stupidest cheer you've ever heard in your life. But it is so effective. And what would even made it worse, like what made it really effective in our case, and I can't do this, but, and I'm not going to call anybody to the platform, but like his shirt was so begging for mercy, like these buttons were like just about... <laughs> Like one day he forgot to wear a t-shirt and none of us knew because there was so much lint in his belly button. It looked like he had a t-shirt on, right? At the end of class, the AC kicked on, that fell out and we made, we made him a t-shirt from that, right? So we just weaved it, right? we weaved it right there in class. But that shirt was like begging for mercy, those suspenders were barely hanging on and he would lead us in this cheer. And so we're gonna do the cheer right now. So the way the cheer goes, if you've done it before, we're going to start to our left. So you're going to go to your left. I'm going to go to my left. And so the cheer goes like this. It goes, if you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. We do that twice through, okay? But you got to, you gotta, hey, listen, but you, have, you can't do it like, you can't be like, because uh, uh, uh. the whole point is, 
you have to act enthusiastic. So you have to get in it like you're in it to win it. It's the stupidest cheer you've ever done, but it is effective, I promise you. Are you ready? Here we go, elbows in. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Yes! And the cool thing after that was we could just watch his belly like this for like five minutes. Everybody feel enthusiastic? Let's try it one more time. Go to your right, go to your right, I'll go to my right. Here we go. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. If you act enthusiastic, then you'll be enthusiastic. Yes! All right, stay standing, stay standing and pick up your Bible. Stay standing, pick up your Bible. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, watch this. Ephesians 4, this I say then, verse 17. This I say therefore. By the way, always when you're reading your Bible, look for the therefores. I'll tell you why. The therefores are therefore a reason. Anytime you see a therefore or a wherefore, therefore and wherefore are therefore a reason, all right? And they're there for the reason of this. Everything that just came up before it, he's been building a case. And the therefore or the wherefore is application. It's time to take what he's taught you and to apply it. And by the way, let me just tell you this. Many of you are lying to yourselves. It's one thing to believe the devil's lie. It's another thing to believe the lie you tell yourself. And the Bible says, he said, he said, if you are a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, you deceive your own selves. Some of us think that we're good Christians because we hear a lot of preaching. But let me ask you a question. When's the last time what you heard got in, what you heard in your Sunday shoes got into your Monday shoes? And changed your life. So he says, here's application. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord. This is double emphasis. I'm applying this, and I'm telling you as a testimony in Jesus what it all means. That ye henceforth, which means from now on, walk not as other Gentiles. Walk means your manner of life. Walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their minds having their understanding darkened, being alienated, listen, being alienated from the life of God. Hey, listen, every unsaved person is alienated from the life of God. Don't think that all men are made in the likeness of God. God made us in his likeness in Genesis chapter, in Genesis chapter two. It says that he made man in his likeness after his image. But guess what? Keep reading Genesis chapter four. Genesis chapter four, then Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and brought forth a son. And Adam had a son after his likeness. No longer with the Spirit of God in him. No longer with the Spirit to understand God. A son born apart from God. That's why Cain and Abel needed to make sacrifice to restore fellowship with God. That's why blood had to be shed because they were alienated from the life of God. But let me tell you something. Jesus came. And he came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And this is the record that God has given us un unto us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you're not born again, you are alienated from the life of God. But the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter, in chapter 1 and verse number 3 that we are partakers of the divine nature balcony. Listen, those of us that have been saved, we now have the divine nature. I am, listen, I am a child of God. I will not be 
a son of God. I am a son of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, Philip, that now we can be called the sons of God. For now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall see him, we shall be like him. You're looking at a man right now that has Jesus in him. And one day I'm going to have Jesus all over me. I'm going to look like Jesus. Come on now. The life of God in you. And he's saying, now therefore, Christians, therefore, I'm testifying in the Lord now, Paul said. Therefore, don't live like the other Gentiles who were alienated from the life of God. Don't live like them who are in the darkness of their understanding. Don't live like them who think they can just take dope and it wouldn't bother them. Or that alcohol leads to fun. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whosoever to see thereby is not wise. Who hath woe? Who hath contention? Who hath wounds without cause? They that tarry long at the wine. They that seek strong drink. Listen. Listen, the world doesn't understand that premarital sex and fornication leads to a sin against the body. It destroys the physical body. Cervical cancer. These vaccines that they're trying to give young people now to prevent cervical cancer, you would prevent that if you would stay abstinent. If you would maintain your purity and walk in virginity. Let me tell you something, listen to me. Heard about a girl that went to, went to college and her roommates were all living pr promiscuous lives, living in sin and going to parties, drinking and having sex. And let me tell you something. Somebody one time came to this girl and said, hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come and uh, go to the parties with us? And she said, no. They said, oh, are you going to always be a virgin? And she said, no, I'm going to get married one day. But she said, I want you to understand something. Anytime I want to be like you, I can. But anytime you want to be like me, you can't. He that committed fornication sinned against his own body. The Bible says if you commit adultery in your heart, if you commit adultery in lust and pornography and with wicked thinking, let me tell you what happens. The Bible says that you destroy, Proverbs, you destroy your own soul. The word soul in the Bible is our heart. It is our mind and it is our will. It's our emotions, our will and our, and our mind. Let me tell you something. Some, some guys can't think a clean thought because they've destroyed their mind. Our emotions are all tied up. Husbands can't have that emotional affection with their wife. They can't love their wife like they properly should love their wife. They're not emotionally attached to their kids because they've been looking at pornography, committing adultery, destroyed their mind, destroyed their affections, and it destroys their will. Eventually they rebel against God and go into their sin. Are you listening to me? He said, don't live like that. Don't live like that. Christians can go back and live like they've never been purged from their old sins. Don't live like that. Watch this. The Bible says in verse 19 that these unsaved people are past feeling. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness. It doesn't even bother their conscience anymore. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Listen, you know why they're doing it? Because they want to satisfy themselves. You know what sin is? Sin is selfish. Sin is greedy. Sin is covetousness. Sin is wanting something that is not yours, to take it as yours, to satisfy your own desires. God said, don't live like that. 
Look what he says in verse number 20. He said, don't live like that. Why? Because you've not learned that you've not so learned Christ. Hey, how many of you have met Jesus Christ? How many of you met Jesus Christ? Has Jesus led you to uncleanness? Has Jesus led you to lasciviousness? Yes or no? You haven't learned Jesus Christ like that. Is Jesus about greediness or about giving? Is he about self or selflessness? Is he about sin or righteousness? Help me now. Now watch this. If so be that ye have heard him, have you heard him? My sheep hear my voice. And have been taught by him. Jesus said, if you obey my commandments, then I will manifest myself unto you and I will make known my words to you. John 16. You know why many of us haven't been taught the word of God? Because we've not listened to Jesus teach it to us because we're living in uncleanness. Anybody with me right now? You say, why are we standing? Because you'll fall asleep if you don't. I'm going to let you sit down in just a second and then I'm going to preach for like five minutes. Watch this. Watch this. Look at it. Watch this. And have not been taught by him, verse 21, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle of the old man, which is corrupt, which is corrupt, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Now, lust in this case is not talking about sensual sexual lust. It's talking about just desires, deceitful desires. We have desires and we desire to have and we have not. I mean, the lust of the flesh desires to have whatever it wants. And it's deceitful. And he said in verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may give to him that hath need. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Spirit of God, which by which whereby ye are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be a kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Somebody say, Don't give place to the devil. Say that. Say, Don't give place to the devil. Jesus Christ conquered sin, hell, the grave, Satan at the cross of Calvary. He drove a stake through his heart. He crushed his head. And listen to me, listen to me. He has no right, he has no power, he has no authority in your life unless you give it to him. You may be seated. Several years ago, we lived in Mississippi. Let me tell you something about Mississippi. In Mississippi, hey, listen. Hey, in Mississippi, we have mosquitoes so big, they look like hummingbirds. I got, I had a mosquito bite one day on my arm. I needed a blood transfusion. Like literally, I went pale, passed out. My wife said, hey, somebody said, what's wrong with him? He's having a heart attack. No, he just got a mosquito bite. I mean, these things are massive, right? And so this guy came out and he said, hey, pastor, uh, are you having, well, no, he didn't say, hey, pastor. He said, hey, preach. He's from Mississippi. Hey, preach. Uh, you having some problems with skeeters? I said, yeah, man, I have a problem with skeeters. Well, I think I can fix that for you. I said, what you going to do? Well, I'm going to run down to the hardware store right quick. I don't know why they all do that in Mississippi, but they do. I'm going to run down to the hardware store right quick. I'll be right back. I got some stuff I think will work for you. He comes back a little while later, and he's putting up these poles. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to fix your skeeter problem. He's putting these poles up. He puts these little houses up. He's measuring stuff, 
nailing stuff. I'm like, what in the world? It's a birdhouse, man. I don't want the mosquitoes living in that thing. He said, what we're going to do is, preacher, we're building these houses for a little bird. It's called a purple martin. I said, okay. I said, what color are they? He said, you, uh, you touched in the head, preach? They're white. No, I'm just kidding. So you got these purple martins. I said, what do they do? He said, they eat skeeters, man. He said, one purple martin will eat about a thousand skeeters in an evening. I said, wow. I said, well, you built this really nice birdhouse. How do you know that uh, a purple martin's going to move in and not a red-breasted robin? And he said, Oh, man, robins don't like that house. Only purple martins like his. I said, uh, did you like post it on the purple martin real estate website? Or how do you know what a purple martin likes? He said, well, purple martins like to be like 18 feet off the ground. They like their house facing right between southeast and south. Just a little off center, a little cockeyed. The hole has to be just the right size, and boy, they'll flock to it. And Purple Martins will beat each other, slap silly to own that house. I said, I want to see that. Let me tell you something, man. We have Purple Martins coming from everywhere. They're like trying to fly in the hole. Get out of here, man. You're not even purple, bro. <laughs> You're a red-breasted robin. Racist, racist. Anyway. Robin lives matter. <laughs> Purple power. I mean, can you imagine that? It's crazy, man. We're so crazy. So anyway, Purple Martins, man, they were living there. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Listen, hey, if you were going to get Purple Martins to move in there, you had to give Purple Martins the exact thing they needed to be comfortable and there's a certain height that they live, a certain size diameter hole that they want, a certain size house that makes them feel, when you put that out, it's like a welcome mat, like, come on, Purple Martins. And let me tell you something. I had never even seen a Purple Martin, but I had them all over the house. My rooster was ticked about that. He said, they're like, eh, get out of here, man. But I'm just telling you, those Purple Martins are there. Let me tell you this. You know what some of you have done? Some of you have been bought, sealed, and delivered by Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit moved in, you gave you the divine nature of God, and then what you've done in your life is you put a welcome mat out and you gave an environment that invited Satan in. And some of you have given free rent to the devil and he has now a stronghold in your life. And there's some of you that want to get some things right at youth conference. Your heart beats when you hear the preaching. You want to make some decisions, but there is a fortress been built inside you. Satan has his own rampart in your heart. He's got his own area. He's claimed it as his, and you don't know what to do about it. You say, well, what kind of things? Let me, let me tell you some things that make the devil come. By the way, we, we bring the devil in. Look at, verse number, look at verse number 20. Look at verse number 27. Neither give place to the devil. And what happens? Look at verse number 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Hey, who lives in you? Tell me, who lives in you? 
The Holy Spirit of Christ lives in you. You're the body is the temple. What? No, you're not. That your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. He's in you. But wait, when you put out the welcome mat and you build a habitat that allows Satan to move in, it quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit. He's having to share your life with his adversary. He's having to share you. Galatians 6 talks about it and uh, says, and Galatians 5 talks about how that the flesh lusteth against the spirit. The spirit lusteth against the flesh. And they're warring in you all the time because you've given an atmosphere that makes Satan feel at home in your life. You say, how? Look at it. Look at verse number, look at verse number 30, 25. Wherefore put away what? Lying. Hey, do you tell the truth? Is your Instagram account a pure reflection of your life? Or are you filtering your sad life to make it look like it is a good life? Are you telling the truth? Are you walking in truth? Are you renouncing the hidden things of darkness? Do you tell lies to your, to your youth group? Do you lie to your parents? Are there things on your phone that ought not to be there that you're lying about? Are you walking in truth? Hey, listen to me. The devil, Bible says in John 8, 44, the devil is a liar. Yep. For he abode not in the truth and the father of it. Satan is a liar tonight. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a liar. He walks in deception. The Bible says that he has deceived the whole world. Are you a liar? Do you say that you read the Bible when you don't? Are you walking in hypocrisy? Are you play acting that you are something that you're not? Hey, listen to me. Are you lying? If there's a lie in your life, you have made a place for Satan to fill at home. He walks in and says, oh, this is my stuff. This is my family. I'm the father of the lie. <laughs> I'm glad that you've done this because I get to fill at home in your life. Hey, do you have an Instagram account that your parents don't know about? Do you have a false online life? I talked to a 17-year-old girl a couple weeks ago at camp. She has an Instagram account that her mom and dad didn't know she had. She's been direct messaging a boy on that that they don't even know. They don't even know that she's been talking to this kid. They've been carrying on the conversation for six months. At camp, she got some things right with God. She was about to leave and go meet this guy. And nobody knew it. And Satan had built a stronghold in her life because she was a liar. Hey, are you a liar? Let me show you the second thing. Look at it. Verse number 25. Wherefore, put away lying, speak every man truth to his neighbor, for he remembers one another. Look at verse number 26. Be angry and sin not. You say, well, Brother Miller, how can I be angry and sin not? The only way that you can be angry and sin not is to be angry at sin. Do you have a temper? Hey, do you have an anger problem? Do you get angry at your mom and dad? You throw things around the house and slam doors? You get angry at your friends? Do you fly off the handle? Do you have a bad attitude? Do you have frustration and anger seething in your heart? When you come to youth group, you just got that bad attitude and somebody can say something and just tick you off? 
Do you have anger in your life? Satan loves that. Satan is an angry creature. He's angry at God. The Bible talks about in the book of Revelation that Satan is angry and he's angry at God. He wants to destroy God. And the only way he can do it is to destroy you. He's angry. Are you angry? Read the book of Proverbs, what the Bible talks about anger. Some of you have an angry parent. You carry a burden all the time. The Bible says a stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than them both. Some of you teenagers carry a huge burden on your back and it's your dad's anger. You're always having to walk on eggshells because you don't want to set him off. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to carry that stone for a while. And one day you're going to say, I'm sick and tired of carrying your weight, dad. And you're going to bow up in rebellion at him. And you're going to become the same angry man. And your kids will carry it. Put away anger. Anger makes Satan feel at home. Look what else. Verse 28, let him that stole steal no more. You know what the Bible calls the devil? The Bible calls the devil a what? A what? A what? And the thief has come to do what? To steal. To steal. Are you a thief? You say, I'm not a thief. You ever taken something that wasn't yours? Stole, mom out, stole money out of your mom's purse? Hey, let me ask you a question. Have you ever worked and earned some money and then not tithed on it? Some of you teenagers, listen to me, some of you teenagers, you're cutting grass, babysitting, you've got a side job, but you're not tithing. Will a man rob God? You say, wherein we've robbed thee? In your tithes and offerings. Let every man bring the first fruit of his increase and give it to God. God demands the first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah, but I need this money to go to college. You don't need that money as much as you need God's blessing. You think God's going to bless a thief? You think God's going to take a man? Hey, listen, God gave Adam and Eve every, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But that one is mine. It's the first fruits. It belongs to me. Leave it alone. Yeah, but we love ourselves more than we love you. We want what we want. That tree looks good for food. It looks good to make one wise. It's going to make us more like you. That tree's got something to offer us. We're going to take what belongs to God. Hey, are you a thief? Hey, are you stealing time from God? Did you allow, did you allow video games and Fortnite and all the other stuff, did you allow that to take time away from God? Hey, we're not supposed to just tithe in our money, but tithe in our time. Giving God, giving God time every day. Hey, are you with me tonight? Hey, everybody with me? You say, hey, how do I know if I have a, how do I know if I have a stronghold? Are you a liar? Are you angry? Are you a thief? Look down here. Let's get right close to home. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You cuss and swear and use filthy words. Hey, do you use filthy words? In our world today, the F word is just another word. I mean, we see it everywhere. We hear it everywhere. When I was growing up, listen, when I was a kid, you never heard that. 
In the last 10 years, profanity has exploded in our land. I was sitting on a plane just the other day flying into Shreveport, Louisiana, and it was a little tiny plane, one of those small planes that you have to get in, zip it up in the front, and then hold your arms out straight so the plane will fly. I'm sitting there, there's a, there's a guy sitting here next to me, he's got some friends up there. It's one seat on one side, two on the other. There's a little grandmother sitting right next to him, and I'm kind of sitting catty corner between both of them. And this guy right here would not stop using the F word. He used it over and over and over and over again. And every time he used it, I saw the little grandmother, she just kind of cringe. And finally, I just reached up high and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, there, I said there's, a, there's a little old lady back here. And I said, I, I think your language is really bothering her. He said, who gives a blankety blank? And I said, I do. I said, if that was my grandmother, we wouldn't be having a conversation. He stood up. He was like that tall. I stood up on the plane. It was a big plane, so I had to bend my head like that. I felt like Randy Dignan. I'm like, come on, bro. <laughs> Bring him home, man. Listen, I'm talking about everywhere. Hey, look, hey, do you like posts on social media that use vulgarity? Does it bother you to follow accounts that have vulgarity in their name? Do you, hey, hey, I'm talking about let no communication, corrupt communication. Satan is a foul-mouthed, filthy, dirty bird, the Bible says. He's wicked and ungodly. He is filthy and evil. He is a serpent. The hiss of sin is in his tongue. Are you using wicked language? How in the world can we go on Sunday and with that same tongue bless God and then the next day go curse man? You got a foul mouth. If you got a foul mouth, you've made ripe appetite and atmosphere for Satan. Verse number 31, bitterness. Hey, I know, dad hurt you when he left. I know when dad walked out, there was a wound. And wounds not dealt with with the grace of God become roots of bitterness. Hurts that we don't take to Jesus. Wounds in our spirit when we were molested, when we were broken, when we were abused, things happen in our lives that cause wounds. And if we don't run to Jesus with those wounds and encounter grace and healing from the great physician, from our Lord Jesus Christ, if we don't cover that with God's grace, it becomes a root of bitterness. Some of you are seething pots of bitterness. You're bitter at your dad. You're bitter at your mom. You're bitter at your life. Why do we have to move? Why did my life have to turn out like this? Let me tell you something. You think you're bitter at your mom and dad, but ultimately it's bitterness against God. And Satan will make sure when he moves in because that's the atmosphere he loves. See, Satan is a former employee of God's and he's bitter at him. He's bitter at him. When you're bitter, Satan moves in and says, God has so mistreated you. Some of you, listen to me, I'm just telling you right now, pastors, youth pastors, you, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked at all if there are kids sitting here that are in Sunday school every Sunday and yet in their heart of hearts are wondering, is there really a God? Yeah. 
And the reason why you're asking the question is because you cannot reconcile in your mind how life has treated you badly and God is good and allowed that to happen. Is God really good? And if God is good, then why are bad things happening in my life? Maybe if there is a God, he just doesn't care. And Satan will ride that pony all the way to a life of bitterness and anger and wrath and some of you have taken your conquered life by Jesus Christ, that life that has been given his life fully for, that he loves and wants all of it, and you have pushed him to the side, and you've allowed wrath and bitterness and lying and corrupt communication and evil speaking. You're listening to vulgarity through music. You're watching vulgarity through television and Netflix. You're looking at all this ungodly stuff, and you're listening to it and seething on it, and it's bitterness, and it's feeding your attitude and your appetite and your mind and Inwardly. It hasn't come out yet, but inwardly, Satan has built a stronghold. And Paul said, I said from henceforth, don't walk like that. That's not what you learned about Christ. Hey, teenage girl, listen, I know dad walked out on you, but listen to me. Jesus says, I also was rejected. On the cross of Calvary, I said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I know what it's like to see dad turn his back on you. I can help you with that. We have a high priest who's been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But Satan has a stronghold in your life. How do you break it? Watch this. Repent. Everybody say repent with me. Look at it right here. Look at verse number 22. That you put off. Verse number 24. That you put on. Verse number 25. That you put away. Put off. Put on. Put away. Repent. And how do you do that? It's right there in the middle of all of it. Look at verse number, look at verse number 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let me tell you what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind. It's not a work that you have to accomplish. It is just simply changing your mind and realizing and agreeing with God that that is sin, that is wicked. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm, rebel I'm rebellious. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm stealing. And I'm agreeing with God. I have no place in my life for that. I don't want Satan in my life and I need help and I'm turning to God and I'm recognizing that I have given Satan a stronghold and I am turning back to Christ who has all victory and I'm saying to him, help me! Let me tell you what happens when you do that. When you repent, and by the way, repentance is not, is not being broken over your sin. Repentance is being broken from it. And after you repent, let me give you the second thing. <laughs> you resist. So let me tell you what happened in the book of James. In the book of James, we're saved, but we start walking with a bad tongue in chapter 3. We start walking with a weak faith in chapter 2. In chapter 4, we start having wars and fightings in our members. We're doing all kinds of wicked things. We're not praying. And let me tell you what happens when we come to chapter 4. Hey, listen to what happens when we come to chapter 4. We're resisting God. 
And the Bible says then we're in love with the world. Adulterers and adulteresses know you're not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. We start falling in love with the world and we're committing spiritual adultery against God. Some of you are there. You're an adulterer. You're a fornicator. You're walking away from God. You're in love with the world and not in love with Jesus. And you're at enmity with God. Let me tell you something. Many times we often think of this. Sometimes we think of Satan being our opponent, that he's going to oppose us. Oh, no, no, no. He's our opponent to get us away from God. Satan is not going against us. It's him pulling us away from God and then going with us. Satan's taking some of you further into the world and he's just egging you on, egging you on with his deceitfulness and he's taking you further and further away from God and he's loving every minute of it and he's, and he's, and he's, he's, he's mocking God while you're walking in sin. And James says the only way that you can get rid of that, the only way is that you better understand something. You keep walking that way, you better remember this. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So what happens is we resist God, we join up with the world, we start walking with Satan, and God resists us. You know why some of us think that we're having problems? We think we're having problems because the devil's fighting. No, it's God fighting. Some of us are like Balaam. We're on our donkey walking the wrong way and God has sent an angel to stand in our way and resist us. Some of you, your plans are not going well because they're your plans and not God's plans and God's trying to keep you from wrecking your life. He's resisting you. He's resisting you because he loves you. The only way that you can do this, the only way you can do this is humble yourself. You say, well, how do I humble myself? It's in the next verse, in James 4, 7. It's by submitting yourself to God. Humility is submission to God. And when you submit to God, God will draw nigh to you. And when God draws nigh to you, you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. See, so here's what happened. I resist God. I walk into the world. The devil goes with me. God resists me. I humble myself, submit to God. God takes a hold of my hand, turns me around and going the other way. Satan tries to get me and God said, go. And he runs. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Resist. Some of you are not willing to resist. When anger flashes in your mind, you're not willing to say stop. Holy Spirit, I yield to you right now. I, re- I yield to your peace and love and joy. Amen. Resistance. And let me tell you what happens. When you repent and you resist, there's renewal. Amen. And you're renewed in your mind. All of a sudden, you used to be a depressed teenage girl and now you're happy, hopeful, healthy. Some of you, listen to me, some of you are walking around in depression and it's not because of your life, it's because of your choices in life. Several years ago, and I'm done, Brother Frost, but several years ago, one of my deacons in Mississippi called me and said, hey, pastor, can you come out to my my place? I want to show you something. So I drove out there. He put me on one of his little side-by-side mules. You know, we drove around his property. He had like 40, 50 acres. We're driving around. And man, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Man, we're driving around big old pine trees, beautiful place. We're driving around, it's so peaceful. We saw some deer run and I saw a couple of quail and man, it was just a little wildlife, it was beautiful. We get about halfway up the fence line of his property where there's a beautiful little stream. I said, Daryl, this is amazing. How beautiful and peaceful. He said, yeah, well, I thought he was just being humble. We turned and we started following the stream. This beautiful little babbling brook in the woods, man, birds are flying everywhere. Purple martins are flying around our head. It was awesome. All of a sudden, as we're driving down this beautiful stream, I start noticing there's like a milk jug in the stream and then an oil can in the stream. And then 
It's like all this trash everywhere. Pretty soon there's, there's a washer and dryer and an old AC unit just, and there's filth and trash everywhere. Like, Daryl, you need to clean this up. He said, I have. He said, I've come out here, I've cleaned all this up. I said, well, stop trashing it. He said, I'm not. I said, well, why is it trashed? He said, a couple years ago, my nephew called me. My nephew said, Uncle Daryl, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm homeless. I don't know what to do with my life. Do you mind if I pull my trailer out on your 40 acres and just get a little place and kind of get my life together? And, and Daryl said, sure, yeah, come on. Here's his nephew. Brought his nephew in. Let him set up his old trailer, little camper. He said, Brother Miller, I had no idea that he was cooking meth. He moved his trailer right in the middle of my property, right by this beautiful stream. He's stealing from stores. He's bringing all these chemicals to the house. He's cooking meth. He said, I can take you around on this side. He said, I don't want to do this because we might get shot. I can take you up by the trailer. And he said, there are trails through the woods where all these druggies are coming in to buy meth from him. They've trashed this place. There's used needles. There's pipes. There's just filth everywhere on this property. We've cleaned it up, but it's just trashed again. I said, Daryl, you're never going to get cleaned up until you get rid of this guy. Go get rid of him. He said, I'm, I can't. He said, I went up there one time to go get rid of him. And then he said, it almost shot me. I mean, I'm afraid of him. He's a wild man. I said, who owns the property? He said, I do. I said, does he have any right to the property through the family? He said, no. Are you the sole owner? Yes. I said, then let's go to the courthouse. He said, what good's that going to do? I said, come on. We went to the courthouse. We walked in. We talked to somebody. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it. What's his name? They put it in the record. He's got all kinds of, all kinds of charges pending against his, his name. They dispatched, a, they dispatched us a couple of county sheriffs. They drove out to the property with us. We rode back there. Man, it was the coolest thing. I felt like I was on cops. <laughs> Sheriff said, now, hey, preacher, you just stay right here. Man, I'm ducked down behind the thing. Every once in a while, I'd be like, bring him, boys. Right? That sheriff walked up to that door. Oh, Joey flipped that door open thinking it was his uncle. And he started to say, get that blanket. All of a sudden, man, he looked and there's that star of the sheriff. And the sheriff goes, get on your knees. I'm in the back like, tase him, tase him. Put that boy down. Let me have a shot at him, boy. I'll make you dance, son. I'll bounce you around. Wouldn't that be cool? Just like, I mean, somebody just like, just bouncing around. I would love that. I'm bringing one tonight and you're going to do it. Man, I'm like, take that boy. Listen, I never forget, man. They got him in cuffs. Guns are drawn. I'm like, bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? Yeah, we're here, bro. They put that guy in the car. They drove him off. I turn around to Daryl. Tears running down his face. He said, man, for him, first time in two years, I feel free. Let me tell you something. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. 
God paid the ultimate price for you. You are his chosen vessel. You are as Jesus in his sight. You are justified, sanctified, glorified. You belong to Jesus. Now listen to me. Satan has no right. He has no business. He's trashing your life. And you keep coming to youth conferences and you make decisions and all you're doing is picking up the trash. But you're not moving the guy out. Some of you need to run to the strong arm of the law and say, Lord Jesus, this is your property. This is your life. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm taking a letter of eviction. I'm walking into Satan. I'm going in my bedroom and I am saying to the devil, Satan, you have no right. You have no privilege. You have no authority. You have no power. I'm a child of God. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I am born again, sanctified, spirit-filled, holy. I am one of God. God's children, now get out of here. And don't you do that without being spirit-filled. Because you're no match. He will sift you as wheat. He will devour you as a lion. He will sting you as an adder. But when you take the Lord Jesus with you, you're going to watch that old cloven hooves of the old devil flee. And you can yell, bye Felicia. Listen to me. Hey, is there a stronghold in your life? What have you done to make Satan feel comfortable in your house? Kick him out and be filled with the spirit. Father, I pray that you'll use the word of God to deliver some bondaged Christians Lord, may today some chains fall off, some ground be recovered in the name of Jesus Christ.